say praise the Lord and I get excited during worship and stuff and I'll dance. When they say dance, I'm the first one out there. You'll hear why I get excited because you're going to hear my testimony tonight. I'm just a real woman and I'm here to speak to other real women. And I have a message from God for you tonight. Um, but before I start, I have some very important teaching for you. As an older woman, I am an older woman. I'm a grandmother of five. Thank you, thank you. I feel like I need to give you some advice about buying Christmas gifts for the men in your life, okay? So I'm going to give you four rules for buying Christmas gifts for men, okay? Rule number one, when in doubt, buy a cordless drill. You can never go wrong. Men can never have enough of them. It's like shoes to us, you know? I don't know. They just love cordless drills. Okay, if you don't have enough money for a cordless drill, they can be a little pricey. Rule number two. How many men in the room? Buy him anything with the word ratchet or socket in it. How many men in the room? Is this right? Anything with the word ratchet. They love to talk about ratchets and sockets. Hey, Al, can I borrow your ratchet? Well, yeah, you know, you got to give me my three-eighth-inch socket back, you know? <laughs> Anything with the word ratchet or socket. Now, if that's beyond your budget, rule number three is buy him anything for his car. I mean, a 99-cent ice scraper. Come on, one of those fir tree thingies that'll, you know, make it smell better. Anything for his car. Men love their cars or trucks. How many men have trucks? Your man has a truck? Yeah. Buy him something for their vehicle. Now, this is a very important one. And I learned this the hard way. Rule number four. Never buy men bathrobes. <laughs> Five years ago, for our first Christmas together, I bought my husband a bathrobe. Because I, how many of you love your bathrobes? They're all cushy, they're fleeced, come on. Women love, I love to go home, take my makeup off, you know, take a hot shower, put on my fleece bathrobe, sit in front of the fire. Isn't that like heaven? So I thought my husband should have one. I mean, I like it, right? So I bought him this cushy, fleecy, bathrobe, and he was gracious when he opened it. Oh, thank you, honey. Five years ago, that robe has hung on a hook in our bedroom for five years. I take it down periodically to get the dust off of it to wash it. That's it. And I said, honey, why don't you ever wear a bathrobe? He said, Gloria, if God wanted men to wear bathrobes, he never would have invented jockey shorts. And that's the truth. That's a true story. But we love Christmas. We love the giving. Uh, we love that, you know, that, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And we light up our trees and we light up our houses and we light up our main street with lights to remind ourselves that Jesus, the light of the world, has come. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, says that if you are a Christian, you are a child of the light. We're children of the day. We're not children of the night. We're not of the darkness. But even though we're not of the darkness, we sometimes go through dark times. And it happens to everybody. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 70 years in here, serving Jesus your whole life. Or it doesn't matter really if you're a skeptic or a believer or where you are. Everybody goes through difficult times. But the good news is this, that scripture Pastor Emily shared in Isaiah 45.3. Let's just look at that for a minute. God said, I will give you treasures 
hidden in the darkness. Somebody say darkness. Come on. He's going to give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. He says, I will do this so you will know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. The, say your name. The one who calls you. <laughs> Let's try that again. The one who calls by name. You're not just a number to God. God, you know, the Bible says that he has your name written on the palm of his hand. You are precious to God. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows who you are or what you're doing. God knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your deepest wounds. He knows your greatest strengths and your greatest weaknesses. God knows you by name. And he called you by name here tonight. I'm looking out at a room full of amazing women, and not one of you is here by accident tonight. Not one of you. I believe I have a word from the Lord, and, and essentially it's to say this. You'll get through the darkness, but you got to do something as you're going through the darkness. Uh, Psalm 23, verse 4. I love the way it reads in the New Living Translation. It says this, even when. No, I just want to stop right there. It doesn't say if. Did you notice that? Like maybe you'll go through the dark valley. Maybe you won't. No, it says you will. You will go through dark valleys. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. God is close beside you. God called you by name. He stays at your side, even in the darkness. But have you ever been in a room or in a situation where it was so dark, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face? How many of you just nod your head? I've been there. And you can't see who's around you. And so one of the problems we have when we go through dark times, and I think a lot of people have walked away from the Lord because of this, because they go throughout, you know, they're serving God, they're raised in a Christian home, maybe. And then something bad happens, something really bad. And bad things do happen to good people. They go through a dark time, and they forget. They, they, don't, they can't see God. They can't feel God. You know, it's kind of like um, I walk in the dark a lot, literally, because I, like, wake up in the middle of the night, and I'll get up and pray, I'll just kind of walk around the house, and I won't turn any lights on because I don't want to wake up my husband who's in there snoring happily away. And, and I'll just, I'll be fine in the dark because I know where my furniture is. I'm good. Except once, not too long ago, I had forgotten that I had started packing for a trip that day, and I left my suitcase on the floor. And then when my toe met it, I remembered, oh, yeah, there's a suitcase there. But see, the suitcase was there in the light, and it was still there in the darkness. It didn't disappear because of the darkness. God is with you in the light. God is with you when, when you gave your heart to him or, or on that Christmas morning when, when your family sang Silent Night together and you just, you just felt him right there. He's with you in the light, but he's also with you in the darkness even when you can't see him. You know, God has not moved. God has not changed. God has not left you. 
I, I guess we would title this message, Don't Doubt in the Darkness, because that's what people do. They go through dark times and they doubt, is God here? Did God leave me? Will I ever get through this darkness? Why am I in this darkness? God told me he loved me, but I'm sure not feeling it now. Don't doubt in the darkness. You know, um, I know a lot of you are going through some things right now. I was praying this afternoon, and I really felt like, ah, there's, there's some women in here dealing with some severe grief. And um, <clears throat> you've gone through a very dark time of, of emotional grief, and, and some others maybe um, who are dealing with depression and even cutting and self-harm and thinking about suicide and wondering if your life is worth living See, the problem with darkness is it's deceptive. It lies to you. It tells you you'll never get through this. It tells you you're not worth it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Darkness is deceptive. Darkness can make good things look bad and bad things look good. Come on. Just like a little girl goes to bed at night, and, and maybe that girl played all day in her room. She knows every toy in her room, but man, oh man, when those lights go out and it is dark, that dollhouse she was playing with turns into Frankenstein's monster. Why is that? Because darkness is deceptive. Woo, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This isn't really part of my message, but I just want to mention this. Some people say, well, if there is a God, and there is a God, I know him, we talk. Um, they say, if there is a God and if he is good, then why do so many bad things happen? And why do bad things happen to good people? And, and why do children hurt? Why are children are abused? And, and why, is there, why is there human trafficking? And, and why do bad things happen if there is a God and if he's omnipotent like you all say? God is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. But I say this about God. He's also omni-legal. That's not in any uh, theology books, Pastor. But he's, omni he's omnipotent, all-powerful, but he's omni-legal, which means he set forth the rules by which he would run this world, and it's in the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. And he follows those. Is he strong enough? to take over your will and say, you will serve me. You must serve me. You must bow down. Is he strong enough? Sure. But will he? No. Because in his book, and I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but I'm just giving you a little insight here. In his book, he gives us free choice and free will. He wants us to welcome him, to love him, to serve him. He wants us to want him. He has given us some authority on this earth. And when Adam sinned, he gave the authority God intended for man. Adam gave it over to Satan. That's why there's killing and hatred and children are abused and hurt. And there's evil in this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Do you have that scripture? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And that God of this world, that's a small case G. Paul's writing about the devil. He has some authority on this earth. People who don't know Jesus 
automatically do what the devil wants. So that's why there's, there's horrible things. It's not because God isn't all powerful. It's not because God isn't all loving. It's because people choose to listen to the small case G of this world instead of the big G, God of all creation. I hope that answered some questions for some of you because God is real. God is alive. God loves you. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. God has not discarded you. He loves you. But sometimes we go through darkness. I don't want you to doubt those things in the darkness. I'm going to share my testimony with you tonight. Nine years ago, almost exactly nine years to the day, I started through the darkest valley of my life. Uh, it was December 14th. 2009, and I felt like I was mother, grandmother of the year. I mean, the Christmas tree was up and lit. All the presents were wrapped and under the tree. Um, come on, I had, I had dinner cooking in the crock pot. The laundry was done. Come on, you know that feeling. Yeah, mother of the year. Come on, in Chris, you know, December 14th. And the man I had been married to for 30 years and I were pastoring a church in West Texas. And it was a new church plant. It was about eight months old. And we had about 40 members, which wasn't that many. But it, you know, it was zero eight months before. So, you know, that was pretty good. And I was sitting on the couch on this Monday afternoon, preparing my message for Wednesday night. I had preached two messages the day before, an evening and a morning service. And I was preparing to preach Wednesday. I'm sitting on the couch with my laptop about two o'clock in the afternoon. And I heard the garage door open. And I thought, that's odd. My husband was supposed to be at the office until 5 o'clock. I looked up from my laptop, and I saw this man I had been married to for 30 years walk in the house with his head down. His face was red, and he was being followed by two men I didn't know in suits. He said to me, go to the spare bedroom. I'll tell you in a minute what's going on. I went into the spare bedroom and started to pray. I'm going to share with you the account my daughter wrote. My daughter was 18 years old at the time. She was home from school early that day because it was final exam week, and so she saw things I didn't see. About a month after this happened, she wrote an essay for a school class, and I'd like to share some of that with you if I may. So I'm going to read it to you if that's okay with you. May I? She says, one year ago, my parents were pastoring a church in West Texas. Things were going well until Monday, December 14th, 2009. I was in my room when I heard my dad tell my mother something in a hushed tone. A door slammed. I peeked out my door to see a man in a suit talking to my father. My heart started pounding. I heard more voices. I looked out my window to see two black Lincolns and four more men in suits. <clears throat> All I could do was pray. The cars drove away. I heard my dad walk towards the room where my mother was. She began screaming. I sat on the floor of my room, crying, knowing that something was terribly wrong. <clears throat> I heard the garage door open and close again, and my father was gone. My mom eventually walked in and asked me to take her to the office. Finally, I said, Mom, I'm not stupid. I saw those men at our house. I know something's going on. 
what's going on? She responded with, everything is going to be okay. Jesus still loves us. Jesus still loves us. What, what had we done? What was going on? My stomach was turning. I got home late to an empty house. Finally, my parents walked into my room in silence. I sat on the floor as my mother said, Honey, your father has something to tell you. I began to shake and cry, knowing that my life as I knew it was coming to an end. My father began to cry and said, Honey, I'm so sorry. Those men you saw earlier today were from the FBI. I began to shake uncontrollably and hyperventilate. He continued to cry and apologize, saying, they were here because of me. I'm so sorry. I was caught with illegal pornography. I began to scream like I never had before. My mom tried to hug me, but I jumped on my bed and slammed my face into my pillow, screaming, no, no, this can't be happening, not to me, not to us, no. My father kept crying and apologizing. Words that had to be from God came out of my mouth. I love you, Daddy. You are still my Daddy. You raised me right. This is not going to affect me. Daddy, I love you. Our church was closed. My senior year was disrupted. And my family was broken apart. My mom and I moved to the Austin area to start over. My dad stayed in West Texas to face the charges. I am living one day at a time, heartbroken by the decisions of others. But I refuse to let this destroy me. I will make lemonade out of lemons, and my God is more than enough. My relationship with my dad is healing. I am overcoming through Jesus Christ, restored by the blood of the Lamb. I was suddenly thrust into the darkest valley of my life. I had no idea what her father was doing, but suddenly the whole world knew. It made the local news. It made the front page of the local newspaper. Pastor arrested for child porn. It was all over the internet. Two days after the FBI walked into our house, our pastor who had sent us there to plant the church came to our house. He spoke to us both separately. I don't really know what he said to my husband at the time, but he told me that the man I had been pastoring a church with, the man I had been married to for 30 years, was facing 60 to 120 months in prison. I was sure he had misspoken. This is how naive I was. I, I thought, well, there was no physical contact. This was just an internet thing. How? I was sure he had misspoken. And I said, wait, did you mean 60 to 120 days? He said, no, 60 to 120 months. I did the calculations in my brain, five to 10 years. That information literally took the breath out of my body. I couldn't even stay seated. I was in a leather chair. I couldn't even stay in the leather chair. I've never done this before in my life, but I literally slid off the chair and onto the floor. Some of you may have been through something like that where, where it feels like the life has just been sucked out of you because of the shock 
of the information that you've just been given. And I reached up to my pastor and I just said, I just need you to hold my hand for a minute. I just had to have a connection with somebody. I I thought I was going to pass out if I didn't have a touch from somebody. Well, um, you know, my entire life, the one I had been living for 30 years was changed in an instant. And some of you have been through something like that. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you're going to get through it. They were very dark days. My, my pastor showed great compassion by putting me on staff at his church in the Round Rock area. And uh, I learned to live as a single mother. I dealt with a lot of legal and financial issues. I was in darkness, deep darkness. But I knew Isaiah 45.3 told me that God would give me treasures in the darkness. He would give me treasures in the darkness. But listen, here's the thing about treasures, ladies. They're not dropped off at your door like Amazon packages. Come on, you have to dig for treasure. You have to dig. So instead of doubting in the darkness, you need to dig. Don't doubt in the darkness, dig in the darkness. You know what I did? I dug into God's word. Some people run from God. No, that's when you run to God, when you're in a mess. I dug into God's word and I dug my heels in. Come on. I dug my heels in to do what you, I knew was right. I dug into my prayer time in the morning. Some people don't, don't make time for prayer when, when their world is spinning out of control. There were mornings I would show up for my prayer time with God, and I had nothing to say. I was numb. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. I was numb, but I would just sit there and go, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. And he still spoke to me. He's so faithful. Dig in the darkness. Don't doubt. The second thing I did was I had to keep dreaming. When you find yourself in a dark situation, you need to dig for those treasures. And while you're digging, you need to dream. Do you ever watch those treasure hunter shows? My husband and I, he loves to watch those things. Like on the Discovery Channel, the, the um, something of Oak Island or something, the curse of Oak Island and the, the people who dig for gold in Alaska, you know. These people who are, who are digging for treasure, they're dreaming all the time. They get their team together, and you never hear them say, well, we're going to dig over here. Yeah, but I doubt if we'll find anything. (laughs) Who does that? When you're digging, you need to dream. I believe this next one. I believe this next day is going to be the step forward. I believe. I believe I'm going to find that treasure. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep dreaming. See, when you're in darkness, you can either be open to nightmares or dreams. Nightmare mentality says, What if I never overcome? What if I never get over the way he hurt me? What if if this goes on forever? But see, um, a dream is very scriptural. And that's where I get hope. A dream is a hope. A Bible hope is more than a, you know, when you wish upon a star. Yeah, that's not Bible hope. We're not talking about, oh, oh, if I could just get out of this, could I wish, wish, wish? No, Bible hope is found in Jeremiah 29, 11. Can you put that up there? Jeremiah 29, 11. I have it memorized from a different translation, so I want to read it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Hope. 
God gave me that acronym for hope, H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations because, listen to me, I want to shake each one of you like this and say, listen, you have a future. The situation you're in right now is not going to last forever. You might feel like it's going to last forever. It might look like it's going to last forever. It may have lasted for weeks or months or years, but nothing lasts forever except Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God's word that is forever settled in heaven. Everything else changes. Your situation is going to change. Do you hear me? Have only positive expectations. And I, I, need to, I need to move along a little faster here, but let me just tell you this. When I didn't know how I'd get out of this mess, how I would ever recover, how I would ever deal with the shame and the embarrassment, how I would ever serve God again, all, you know, these questions come at you. you know, how many of you know when you're in a dark place, there's all these questions in your head. Sometimes they're from your loved ones, your friends, your family. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? 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 How are you going to get out of this? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on, y'all know that. What are you going to do? Some of you can't sleep at night because you're here. And what are you going to do? You have to have an answer. Your hope has to answer those questions. And here's the answer. It ain't that deep. I learned that in Detroit when I lived in Detroit. Have you ever heard that phrase? It ain't that deep. Here's your answer. I don't know. There's a second part. I don't know, but I know God loves me. Come on, Romans 8, 32. Put that up there. I'm running out of time, but I, I want you to see this. This is a scripture. Listen, if you can't stand on anything else, you hang on to this scripture. He who did not spare his own son, God sent Jesus. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. God loves you so much, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. Don't you think he loves you enough to get you out of your mess? He will. Your answer is, I don't know, but I know this. Ha! God loves me. You don't have to know 100 scriptures. Everybody say, God loves me. That's the answer to everything. Whatever the question, that's the answer. And finally, I want to say this. Your breakthrough out of the darkness can happen suddenly. But we have to know what to say. We have to be careful what we declare. When you go through the darkness, don't doubt in the darkness. Declare what God has said about you. Declare just means say. I use it so it starts with a D. So I said, don't doubt. But you should dig, you should dream, and you should declare. You should say what God said. Now, if you know Scripture, say Scripture. If you don't know Scripture, just say, hey, I know this. That crazy lady who stood up there and had a really big, loud mouth, she told me God loved me. So that it, when, the, when the going gets tough, man, you just declare, God loves me. Oh, yeah, but this is a mess. Oh, yeah, but the God of all creation who sent his only son to die on the cross, who raised him from the dead, that, that, that being, he loves me. He knows my name. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. All right, now, this is my last point. 
Change can happen suddenly. See, we get, we get weary in the darkness. Have you ever been up with a sick kid? And it seems like the night goes on forever. Right? The darkness can make you feel like, Lord Jesus, is the sun ever coming up? Go with me to Acts 16. See, Paul and Silas were in a very dark place, figuratively and literally. And here's another thing about Acts 16. Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Silas went, were obeying God. Sometimes us church people, now if you're not a church people, don't pay, you can become a church people, but don't become like this. Sometimes, <laughs> I told you I was real, okay? All right, so sometimes us church people, we start like pointing the finger. Well, if she wouldn't have done this, she must have been missing God. She didn't pray. Obviously, that's why all this mess happened. Don't stop that. Paul and Silas were completely obedient to God when they went to Philippi. They had revival. They cast a demon out of a girl who was a slave girl. They were doing things for God, and yet they were arrested, they were beaten, and they were chained in prison. Come on. They were obeying God. Now look at Acts 16. They were in the darkest moment. It says this, around midnight. They were in the dark, literally and figuratively. There was really no chance for them to get out. They didn't have any money, power on their side. They were bleeding. They were beaten. They were in the bottom of the deepest, darkest, nastiest prison of the time. Around midnight. Somebody say, in the darkness. They were in the darkness. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What were they doing? They were digging. Come on. They were dreaming about what God said. And they were declaring what they needed from God. And they were declaring how great God is. They were declaring, I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but I know this. What they know? God. That's right. They were declaring those things. And then verse 26, it says this. What's that word? Ooh, say it again. Ooh, say it again. Woo! Don't let that bother you either. Come on. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Your change out of the darkness, your way out of your mess can happen suddenly. That means one hour before that prison shook. Come on. One hour before that prison shook, they were bleeding. They were hurting. They were chained up. They didn't know when it was going to happen. Do you hear me? One hour before, they didn't know. A half hour before, they didn't know. They just kept digging. Come on. They kept dreaming. They kept declaring, and they didn't doubt. They just kept on keeping on. 30 minutes before, they didn't know. 15 minutes before, they didn't know. One minute before that prison shook, they didn't know. But then it happened. How? You don't know either. You don't know. Your breakthrough could happen next month. Could happen next week. Could happen tomorrow. Oh, it could happen tonight. God moves suddenly. Ooh, finally, I got to just tell you this. God gave me this one specific scripture 
for you tonight. And um, I don't usually take scriptures out of context and apply it to something else, but I'm going to do that. Sorry. If, you're <laughs> if that bothers you, just ask the Holy Ghost why he's making me do this. Okay. The scripture is John 13, 7. I saw the NIV. It says this. Jesus replied, look at this. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. I didn't realize when my whole life was changed in an instant. Whew. I didn't realize that, you know, God was going to promote me to the position of pastor of of several churches, helped to plant other churches, uh, put me over several ministries and, and help allow me to guide several other ministries. And I didn't realize this, I didn't know this, that while I was going through the darkest time of my life, there was this man in Kansas. He had been married 25 years. He was a strong Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost, loved Jesus with all his heart. He's a genius. He's so smart. He was a Marine. He could fix cars. <laughs> I didn't realize what God was doing. Several years after my life changed and his life changed, we met. And under the watchful eye of my pastor, we kept it holy. We dated long distance for a year. My pastor blessed our union and actually married us. It'll be almost six years. It's been five years now, five and a half years. <laughs> Jesus replied, you don't understand, but one day, you don't realize what God is doing, but one day you will understand. So I'm going to ask you to now just... Um, Bow your heads. I want you to listen to this real carefully. Oof. You may not realize what God was doing when he brought you here tonight. He wants you to know that he has treasures for you, even in darkness. He's put them there so that you would know he is the Lord. He is calling you by name tonight. Now listen real carefully. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about joining a church. I I'm talking about relationship. Jesus wants to walk with you through the sunny days, and through the dark days. Ooh, he wants to walk with you through the darkest valley. But here's the thing about God, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. God is a gentleman. Jesus will not force his way into your life. You need to invite him in. You need to accept him. And he's here today. He's here today saying, come on. There's some of you who have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. There's some of you who used to 
walk closely with God, but, but somebody hurt you or you got offended or you went through a dark time and you walked away from him. And there's some of you who, you're really good people. You're a very good woman and you've worked hard. You maybe even worked hard at your church, but you really don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You don't talk to him and he talks to you. If any of those three things apply to you, with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eye closed, I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to, we're all going to pray together, but I just want to see who in here would say, that's me. I'm either, I either want to receive Jesus tonight. I want to welcome him into my heart so that he can walk with me. Slip your hand up if that's you. I'm looking, thank you. Yes, yes. All right, thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. God is not mad at you. He's here with open arms saying, come on back. If that's you, just slip your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. Yeah, I see that hand. Come on, lift your hand up. Tonight's the night. The, yes, this is the best. Yes, I see that. You, this is the best Christmas gift. He is saying, come on back. I'm going to get you through this. I see that hand. Thank you. Or maybe you just don't know for sure. You've been working so hard to be a good Christian. But you really don't know if you were to die, what would happen if you would go to heaven or hell. If that's you, slip up your hand. We're just going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass you. Slip up your hand. The Bible says, I see that hand. Thank you. The Bible says, I see that hand. These things were written so that you would know. You can know what will happen to you when you die. Anybody else? Let me see. Lift your hand up. All right. We're just going to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, that Jesus is the Son of God and He is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. That means you are a child of God. We're going to talk to you about uh, uh, some more prayer requests in a minute, but let's just pray this prayer together and mean it from your heart. Everybody say it with me. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I open my heart to you now. Come into my heart. Be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Father, for making me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer tonight, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you felt something stirring on the inside, like right here, you know? See, come down and see one of us down here or talk to your table hostess. Have them pray with you. Or if you have other prayer requests, Pastor Emily's gonna talk about that. We are here to pray with you. Tonight is a breakthrough night. Tonight you're finding treasures despite your darkness. I love you. And God loves you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor Gloria. Beautiful, powerful, right? Thank you, Jesus. So we, uh, the word says, share all good things with those who teach you. And so to, right now, I'd like to take an offering for Gloria and her ministry. Uh, we want her to be blessed so that she can go more places and preach the gospel more places and tell her testimony more places and set more people free. <laughs> 
Uh, all of us, I think, are impacted by what she spoke tonight. And I know she didn't get a chance to tell you the whole, whole story, but I am sure that more of it is in some of your books, right? Which one? The Seal Your Zeal? Oh, okay. It's still, oh, it's still on the way. But you do want to buy her books. <laughs> okay. Some of it's in the Bullseye book. Okay. Um, but the table host, your table host will pass around the basket and just uh, give generously. The, the Bible says that generous soul will prosper and those who refresh others will be refreshed. Gloria mentioned that we're going to have prayer partners up here at the front. She and I and also some other amazing leaders are going to be up here to pray with you personally if you would like personal prayer. If you felt very impacted by anything in that message, you feel stirred by the Lord to um, get free from something, get out of that dark place that you're in, we want to pray with you and agree with you. And so please don't leave without receiving prayer if that's you. Uh, let me just pray over the night. I am going to let you guys just be dismissed if you don't want prayer. But uh, remember that the centerpieces, you can bring those to the information center. Uh, Gloria's book table is out there. And uh, what else do I have to remind you? See your program for upcoming events. Oh, and if you got one a little card with a number, the gifts... And with numbers on them are up here at the stage. You can grab those when you, when you go. So, Lord, we just seal what you've done tonight. Thank you, Lord, for moving in this place and moving in our hearts, Lord. Those that still need freedom, Lord, I know this last prayer, Lord, where they come up and receive some prayer, Lord, is going to bring healing to them. So we just trust you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you're going to do, Lord. Entire families and communities are going to be changed because of what you're doing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, ladies. Have a Merry Christmas. Would love to see you at our Christmas Eve service. But have a beautiful night.